tonight to that eighth chapter of John. And I'll read one verse of scripture in this chapter, and it is the verse that follows the one that we looked at this morning. And that verse would be verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. These events took place at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. And in that feast, they would set up these booths or tents as a kind of remembrance of all that they as a people went through when they traveled after the exodus throughout the wilderness. They lived in tents. They carried the tabernacle with them. And they, in that feast, remembered those things. And as they remembered them, they had also in the temple these giant candelabra that they would light, that would be so bright, I suppose to commemorate that pillar of fire that followed them as they traveled through the wilderness. And so it is in that context that our Lord says, to all that are gathered there after he has delivered this woman taken in adultery. I am the light of the world. And who but the Lord Jesus Christ could ever make such a statement? And to say in such a definite and singular note, I am the light of the world. And this is in one part, one more declaration of his deity. If you remember this same apostle when he wrote in that first chapter of 1 John, he begins by saying, this is the message that we heard and this is the message that we preach, that God is light and in him 
is no darkness. He is the light of the world. And if you look back in John chapter 1, here in the Gospel of John, John begins by stating something very much like that. Here in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, he says of this one that he calls the Word, who he says was with God, and who he declares is God, and was also made flesh and dwelt among us, he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every time I read those verses and hear what the apostle says about John the Baptist, saying that he was a witness to bear witness of the light, it makes me know and be reminded that those who have sight, they don't need a witness to the light. But it is to those who are blind, they must have a witness to the light. And so John the Baptist is described as a witness to the light, who is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ that he was the forerunner to. And not only does it speak of his deity, light also is used to speak of purity. He is the light in the sense that he is the pure one, the holy one, the sinless one, the perfect one. And as we see in this context, Christ as the light does what light does. Light, on the one hand, illuminates, and on the other hand, it blinds, as we have just seen. Christ as the light has just illuminated, if you will, this woman taken in adultery. And yet, at the same time, he has blinded. He has blinded as the light all these Pharisees. They now go away. And what we find also is that if Christ is the light, 
then all the world must be in darkness. These Pharisees were in a sense considered the lights of their day. And without a doubt, they had some light. But the light that they had proved to be a further blinding and a further bringing them into darkness. Because this is what Christ says. He says, if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness. How great is that darkness. If the light you have, which is simply the light of nature on the one hand, and as it was with them, some light that trickled down through their tradition, but that light in them was darkness, and as was demonstrated in this text, how great was that darkness. But if you notice also, he describes himself saying, I am the light of the world. Meaning on the one hand, that he is the only true light. But meaning also on the other hand, saying he is the light of the world, he is light not simply to these Jews who had what they thought was an exclusive on God, but he is the light of the world. He is the light to Gentiles as well as Jews. And this is exactly what the prophet had long said before in Isaiah. He says, Speaking for God, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up to the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. But I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation Unto the end of the earth. In other words, he was not only come to bring out of darkness a people from among the Jews, but also a people, maybe a greater number of people, also to lighten the Gentiles. But although all of these things be true, light is also used for truth. The word of truth, the gospel. Light is used to speak of understanding and to speak of revelation so that those who believe on Christ They are those who believe the truth 
the gospel of Christ, and who, as he says here, also follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the light. And whoever, he says, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. I said recently that Jesus Christ, that place that is, as Paul said, in him, is the place where the sun never goes down. He is the light of the world. And he is the sun in that city that the scriptures use to describe his people. That new Jerusalem. That Zion of God. Not simply a place, but most especially a people. So that when John saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, how was it? As a bride adorned for her husband. And he goes on to describe that city, that people. And it says, And the city had no need of the sun neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb was the light thereof. In other words, if we ever have, if we ever receive any true light from God, it will be in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you read, as Scripture shows us, in places like the last chapter of the book of Malachi, the prophet is used of God to speak of the Messiah, to speak of God's coming Christ in this way. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. What are the wings of the Son? Well, the wings of the sun are simply the beams of the sun. And Christ is described not only as a sun, but he is also described as the sun of righteousness that arises with healing in his wings. And being the son of righteousness, the light of righteousness, he is the light of righteousness, which is none other than God's righteousness. He is the light as to where righteousness is given in and where the gospel, wherein that righteousness is revealed so that each and every one 
who has true light, it is according to the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Now you may have what men call light concerning every subject known to man. And you may even have light in the sense of having some knowledge of the facts and the figures and the places and the people and the history and all these things that we find in the Bible. But we only have light as we know these things and as we understand those things concerning Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He is the light of the world. Turn over to 2 Timothy and look with me in 2 Timothy at what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy to Timothy when he says concerning his own state that he was presently in, being in prison for preaching the gospel. Verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. God who hath saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now Paul is admonishing Timothy to be faithful to that which he had been taught by the apostle faithful to this gospel, do not be ashamed to preach it, do not, do not be ashamed because Paul, for preaching it, was now in prison. But he says, God who has saved us, past tense, who hath called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest. You see, there's not any new gospel. That old writer said, if it's new, it isn't true, and if it's true, it isn't new. This is the everlasting gospel. And he says, but it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light. Through the gospel. Here it all is, life. You can't separate light and life. Here it is, that life, 
which God gave his people in Christ, which he gave them in Christ, which he gave them before the world began, which he gave them according to his own grace and not their works. He's brought it to light through the gospel. And somebody says, well, why do we have to hear the gospel all the time? Why can't we hear something about this and that and the other and all the other subjects that men delight to delve in because they do not want to preach the gospel that gives all the glory to God and does not accomplish their real purposes. Because it's through the gospel that he who is the light is made manifest and this abolishment of death and this Life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. So when you hear what Paul says, and turn over and listen to what Peter says, when he writes in 2 Peter, <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 1, because in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter is talking as a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and there shined, as it were, such a glorious light around him that we call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And I'm sure everybody would look at Peter and say, ought to have been witness to that. Oh, to have seen the glistering, as the scriptures describe it, the glistering light, the bright holiness, the shining deity, the glory of God. Now listen to what Peter says. He said, we were eyewitnesses to that majesty. Verse 18, he says, And this voice came from heaven. We heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Next statement. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that there's something more sure, something more real, if you will, than actually by the natural eye, beholding the light and the glory and the glistering and the shining of the glory of Christ in person? That's what he says. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. He's talking about The written word of God. He's talking about the gospel of the grace and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. My friends, there is no darker place than the human heart. There is no darker place than the human natural mind. 
And the proof of it, there are so many, but the proof of it is in evidence in everything that you see going on in this world right this hour that makes you shudder and tremble with fear. You know where it came from? came from the darkness of the human heart. Christ said, out of the heart proceeds all these murders, lies, all the vileness. He said, out of the heart. So he said, we have this more sure word of prophecy. And you would do well to take heed to it as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn. And the day star arise in your hearts. You know what the day star is? (laughs) I don't know at what point in my great education it came, but at some point... I found out that the day star was the sun. The stars come out at night, but there is a star, the day star, that is so bright that it lights up the whole earth that it's shining on. It's light. And Christ is likened to the day star. He is likened and called even the son of righteousness. So if we find anything out about purity and holiness, if we see anything about how and who God is, if we see anything about the truth, it'll have to be in him. And it'll have to be from him. Why? Because he is the light of the world. Now I want you to look also in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Because here is John who as I I quoted earlier has made the statement that this is the message that they heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. But he's just talked about some having fellowship with God. Did you know that the apostle, Christ, the prophets, all in some way or another said that there is no connection between dark and light. And yet he is now talking through the apostle John of a fellowship that exists between some that in themselves are nothing but darkness and him who is the light himself. 
God is light, and in him is no darkness. But look at what he goes on to say. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, he's talking about men and women who, though sinners in themselves, who, though darkness itself, and yet they're having fellowship with God. And I can tell you how this is most often by most commentaries spoken of. They say something like this, if you walk and your conduct of life is such, if you walk the Christian walk, if you walk in such conduct, you have fellowship with God. If you don't do that, you can't have fellowship with God. But is that not based on something we do or we don't do? So it really comes down to this question. What is it to walk in the light? What is it to walk in the light? And in that, have fellowship with God who's nothing but light. Well, to walk in the light is to walk by faith, to be led by the Spirit of God in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't really have anything to do with sinning less and on that basis being able to fellowship with God. Because he goes on immediately and says, if you say that you haven't sinned, you not only lie, you make God a liar. In what way, at what point, can such as we are have fellowship with God? God who is light. What is it to walk in the light? It is simply and plainly to walk by faith, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and only Him as all of our righteousness, all of our salvation, and in that we are brought in a total agreement with God. 
You say, what do you mean? Well, what is fellowship? I'll tell you what this fellowship is. This fellowship is God and the believing sinner meeting together and both agreeing on one thing. This fellow. God said, I've laid hold and help on one that is my fellow. The sinner who by the grace of God is brought to believe on Christ and trust in Christ for all of salvation, that sinner is confessing and believing that we have committed all to this one fellow. And in this one fellow, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with God. Can you just for a minute imagine the foolishness of thinking that you can improve enough tomorrow and maybe by the week improve a little bit, improve a little bit more, read the Bible a little bit more, say less ugly things, be more kind, which you ought to do, by the way. But do you think at the end of the week you'd be in any closer to being able on the basis of that to having fellowship with him who's light. When he says man at his best state, you on your best day is altogether vanity. He says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. How is God in the light as far as it being light to us? He's light to us through and by the gospel, which brings to light, that life to light through and by the purpose, the grace of God in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Where does a sinner have no sin so as to be able to have fellowship with the thrice holy God in Christ. I have sin in myself. I'm still sinful in myself. I could never improve on my best day enough to be able to fellowship with God. But in the light of the gospel of Christ, I have no sin. Because he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Because he has <coughs> by himself purged our sins. 
He has by himself saved us from all our sins. And that's what is brought to light. And it is life itself through him who is the light of the world. But how does a sinner who's in darkness come to this light? Well, as we say sometimes, the law of first mention works really well sometimes in interpreting the scriptures. And if we follow this rule, the law of first mention, will go all the way back to Genesis, where the earth was nothing but darkness. How did light come about then? It came about when the Almighty God said, let there be light, and there was light. Or as it reads, actually, I think, he said, light be, and light was. And the same is true with a sinner who's brought to the light whose eyes are opened, who's given sight. That light, as it came in the beginning, comes also by an act of God, an act of revelation, not only to us concerning Christ, but in us. This is exactly what Paul said. He said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And he continues. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul says, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of men and women. And they cannot see, in their blindness, they cannot see Christ as the light. They have no light in matters concerning to God. And they'll never have it if left to themselves. So somebody says, Paul, why'd you preach then? Paul said, because that's the way we were. And that God, who is light, has done just like he did in the natural creation. He hath shined light rather so into our hearts that we might behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. And if he did that to us, 
He can do it to whomever he pleases. I'll tell you, I have family members that sit in darkness. It's multiplied darkness. Because the light that they have is darkness in them. They can quote John 3.16 and a few other verses, but the light that they have in them is actually darkness. And great is that darkness. You say, well, they'll never be saved, I guess. No. Because the God who said in the beginning, let there be light, and there was light. The God who shined in the heart of Saul of Tarsus, that rebellious, religious, wicked sinner. The God who shined in the light of this blind preacher can as easily, be they one of his children, shine into their hearts. And when he does... They're going to see the light of the world. They're going to see the glory of all that God is. The glory of all His grace. The glory of His salvation. They're going to see that every bit of it is in Christ. And they'll have light. Not until then. But everyone that the Spirit of God comes to them and in their heart and reveals Christ, they have light. And it is light that Paul says comes from a revelation. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, it's not even entered into the mind of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. He says, but he hath revealed them unto us. He's given us a revelation. He's shined the light in our darkness. He's shined the light to reveal Christ and his perfect work of righteousness. And he says, he shined the light in our hearts that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. Now those who preach their opinions and those who imagine that works have some part in salvation and a host of other things too many to mention their darkness. And God said if they speak not according to to this word, it is because there's no light in them. No light in them. If they had light, they would be preaching Christ and only Christ. What he says in this book about And the practical effect of this light in us, which is knowledge of salvation, which is understanding as to how God can save us and be just, is peace and comfort 
Have you ever had those nights when you couldn't sleep? Or maybe you sit up with a sick loved one, or maybe you're sick yourself, something like that, and every minute seems to be an hour in itself. And when that first beam of sunrise comes up the next morning, what a glorious, wonderful, delightful, comforting, joyous sight it is. And my friend, when we live in the darkness of ourselves, in the darkness of our sins, what a glorious sight it is when we see the glory of God's saving mercy and grace in the face of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you in closing, I'll give you just one more effect of life. And that is something we find everywhere in this book. Not only is the effect of light a knowledge of God in Christ, fellowship with God in Christ, salvation in Christ, hope in Christ, peace in Christ, but also it brings a love for the brethren. This same apostle writing in 1 John chapter 2, he says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. But he that saith he's in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Wherever there is real light, there will be real love for the people of God. And the basis of fellowship that we have for one another, being still sinners as we are in ourselves, the basis of fellowship that we have one for another is the same basis of fellowship we have with God. And that's Christ. We love one another. We forgive one another. We delight to have fellowship with one another. Because we agree on Christ. And some of the petty things that men and women divide over in our day, if we could just for one minute stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, all those divisive things would appear so utterly ridiculous. Because Christ is everything. Paul says to the Ephesians, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He says to the Thessalonians, You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And Peter says, 
You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where there is light, there is the light of the world, Christ. Where there is light, there is the truth concerning Christ and God's purpose of grace to his people in Christ. And where there's light, real light, there's love. There's love. And he that saith he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until light. And we may be able to we may be able to quote a few things or explain a few things. But he said if we have not love we're like sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And we don't have any real true light. Because true light with that light brings love. Christ said, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall never walk in darkness. But they'll have the light of life. God help us to keep our eyes on the light. I've been in a few situations in my life in some dark places. And when I saw just the slightest flicker of light, that's where I headed. And I was never disappointed. God help us to be among those who follow the light. Thank you.